We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Dude, Vikings, Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Ha! Do you think uh, do you think Kyle's gonna throw the game because we know he loves uh, Kirk? Why, I, why does he Why does he love Kirk Cousins that much? Explain <laughs> to me why he Why don't, he loves? Well, you, you don't need to be yelling. This I haven't heard you this passionate <laughs> since the Warriors were in the pl- since last year. <laughs> The NFL's been great all weekend, man. Like the first game, we had the ridiculous Bills uh, Texans game where just nothing made any sense, and then we had Tom Brady go down to the Titans, and then we had this game in overtime. Like, I, it's not the best football, but it's just—it's really it's just compelling. A- um, yeah. So we're recording this before Seahawks Eagles. One, I want to say I'm glad the Seahawks are on the other side because. It would have sucked if the Niners had to play them in the divisional round. I feel like if they're going to play a third time, that needs to be the championship game. <laughs> um, and they can, right? Yeah, now because it's it's a hundred percent that they play the uh, the Vikings. There's there's no other scenario. So the Niners will play the Vikings next Saturday. And um, I have a theory on why Kyle loves Kirk Cousins so much. Um, he drafted him. He developed him from an unknown to being a good starter. I think it's just kind of personal. Like, it's a little ego. It's like I've coached this guy up, and he might be right. I mean, Kirk Cousins kind of outplayed Drew Brees most of that game. Yeah, Um, he's he's not as bad as like the jokes about him are, you know? Like, he might be sneaky good. I don't know. I just watched Ryan Tannehill outplay Tom Brady <laughs> yesterday, so I feel like I don't know anything anymore. <laughs> Football playoffs are, are comedy. By the way, as the Seahawks game gets uh, gets started here, I realize that the Seahawks could easily be the NFC Championship game. Like, Russell Wilson can easily win this game and go to Lambeau. It's completely overrated Packers team. I just I don't even know how they're 13-3 in a two-seat, but they are. 
Uh, they're but, just really good at not losing games <laughs> is like really what it comes down to. They're just like, and, and like more power to them, right? Like you can't, you know, but, but they are like, uh, it's been a while since I've seen like a 13 and three team. I thought looked this average. Yeah. Like, and then they go into Levi's and honestly, the Niners have a pretty, well, you don't want to say easy road. You remember the, uh, the Niners lost to the, the wild card giants, uh, that year that they had a uh, home view. I think they were the two seed. Uh, but they played the Giants and lost to them, so you never know. But I mean, you got to pl- play the Vikings at home, and then, and then you know maybe Green Bay or Seattle or, or Philadelphia at home. Like the, now that the Saints are out, like I guess the the three best teams are the Chiefs, the Ravens, and then the Niners. So it's like it, there was never really like a great NFC team that the Niners are going to play. But yeah, you could see Seahawks being a problem. Yeah. That's be number three. Seah- Seahawks are. I don't know. They're sneaky. I I don't understand it because they keep falling apart. But <laughs> but anyway, um, welcome to Light Years, everyone, <laughs> where we talk more football because the ratings aren't dying there. today where I you know I retweeted something that showed the NFL playoff ratings are up 15% to last year and I'm like oh wait cord cutting doesn't affect them people are like it's not on cable and I'm like you are morons because all of the NFL's games on ESPN have had the ratings go up and if you've watched Monday Night Football this year outside of that Niners Seahawks game it was like I swear they had the Dolphins and the Jets on it oh it was bad yeah it was bad yeah (laughs) And it's like, I, I, you know who it is who doesn't want to admit the ratings are down. Mm. It's a, uh, it's a certain, um, you know, LeBron is my father <laughs> level of fan. Um, and they, they just don't want to, they don't want to acknowledge the fact that like acting like an egotistical narcissist who doesn't care about the games turns off most people. Well, I have I have a theory that I uh, that I've been running through this week. It's that when LeBron was coming up in Cleveland, um, you know, he was he was lovable, right? It's like, oh, he's this next guy. And then when he went to Miami, he was hateable. It's like, oh, he's the villain now. Now, and then when he went back to Cleveland, it was a redemption story. Yeah, exactly. Now he goes to LA, and it's like, does anybody really? It's not you love him or you hate him. It's just, do you care? Does anybody care about LeBron anymore? Um, just overall, right? LeBron stands are going to Laker fans are going to act like they care, but like, does anybody outside of that really give a crap? Because you look at you know Steph I mean, Curry, the, you look the at ratings, any, the ratings yeah. say they don't because he yeah. doesn't it doesn't rate nearly as high as Kobe games. I kind of agree with you on that one, um, but I, I don't even think you know <laughs> I don't even think you can point all the ratings to him. I think it's you know that. You know that uh, that Lamar Jackson shirt, like nobody cares, work harder. <laughs> yeah. Or like Tom Brady, every interview gives kind of the standard Steph Curry, like I love playing this game, like I want to play as long as I can answer. Um, fans want to believe the players they're watching care as much as they do. Because fans care too much. Like you and I, it's, you know, we, we care too much about who wins these games. And... Part of the reason Steph is so adored is because no one questions his desire to win. Does he have off games? Of course. He's human. But 
no one's questioning, is he tanking it, you know, for a season? Or is he thinking about making some sort of power play? They think he just plays the game honestly. And I think the NFL, um, whether you like or dislike a lot of things about them, the, the players are more invested in game-to-game production than the NBA. In the NBA, you have players saying, I'm the CEO of my own corporation. That's great. But what does that do for me as the fan who has to spend $100 every time I want to go to a game at minimum? Well, <clears throat> you know, I think- load, load management, smart, strategically terrible for the product. You know, like all this stuff, all this stuff points to players not having the same level of investment as fans perceive that they do. Correct. Um, I think part of it, too, is just the nature of the the product, though. It's just the NFL is is. It's even you look at the contracts, right? It's like you can get cut and there's only a certain amount that's guaranteed and you can get cut at any time that it's only 16 games. Right. And all, and then I think a lot of it now is also the culture in which that produces because you got a lot of guys in that. Like we're watching Zach Ertz. I think he's playing through like a lacerated kidney or, or something. It's like right? dunk, it's like dunking on you wasn't enough. He's got more to prove. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like it, it's stuff like that where it, it is a playoff game, but if this was like a week 15 game, like most guys would still be playing through those injuries. Like most, like 90% yeah. of NFL players, it doesn't matter. But that's also because there's only 16 regular season well, games. And it's harder to make the playoffs. Like the Eagle players for Eagles are a perfect mm-hmm. example because they got into the playoffs the last week. They had to play playoff level football first. Yeah. The final six weeks of the season to make it and more power to them for doing it. But, um, you know, there just isn't the same thing in the NBA. Like, I was toying with this. How much better would the NBA be if they cut the playoff teams down to six a conference? Only 12 instead of 16 teams make it. You'd see everyone trying a lot harder, especially if you knew the top two seeds had a bye. You'd see LeBron and the Lakers playing even harder because they're older. That that bye is huge for them, right? Yeah, so so you're right because that that's a great idea because the last month of the NFL season is essentially a postseason, right? You've got the Niners and Seahawks playing those games. The Eagles have been playing playoff intensity football for a month. The last Titans month of an NBA barely season, got in, yeah, barely. Yeah, and the last month of the NBA season, we've been through this like the last forever. The Warriors, it's a joke outside of that seventy three win. And season. why and was even that seventy three win season cool? Because the one. It's not just that the Warriors were pursuing 73. It's that the the Spurs won 67. Like, the Warriors oh, could right. have maybe sat guys the final three games. They clinched home court, I think, in game 79 of the season. It's not like they clinched it and had a month of meaningless basketball. Like, the Spurs were two to three games back of them the whole way through. And then the Warriors clinch it and the Spurs kind of like, you know, the last week of the season maybe didn't matter. But people can deal with like the last two to three games not mattering. It's yep. when the last 20 games don't matter and the first 20 <laughs> games don't matter. It's a problem. <laughs> it's right because right now that that's the way it feels. Like the first 20 all the way to Christmas doesn't matter. Then everything's pretty much locked up outside of maybe a seven or eight seed, right? Um, and then outside of that, guys are relaxing. It's like people already have a bye for months of the season. And it's just none of it's interesting. It's not even just LeBron. None of it's just interesting at all. And you talk to your friends um, who are sports fans. Like, they're not NBA fans. They're sports fans. Like, they'll watch the Giants if they're good. They're all about the Niners right now because the Niners are obviously the best team in the Bay. What do they usually tell you? I'll watch when the playoffs start. 
That's and, that's like the most common thing I hear from my friends who are sports fans, but not necessarily diehard NBA fans. I'll watch it, when the playoffs start. <laughs> Even the playoffs are too long, though. We're talking to Justin. We have a group chat with Justin Rowan, and he was talking about a five-game first round to bring that back. That used to be a thing. Like, why not? Like, why why do we need seven games of 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 Bucks? I mean, they're probably going to win in four or five, but like a Bucks versus an eight seed or, or the Lakers Bucks versus an eight Magic? seed. I mean, well, to be fair, I would be really into watching Jonathan Isaac guard Giannis, but like, uh, but I'm a, but I'm a weirdo, you know. I'm, I'm I'm readily like when I say this is why ratings are down. That doesn't mean I'm not watching. I watched the the full Laker Pelican game on Friday night because I'm nothing better to do. Like, you, you know, <laughs> but what you're I'm you're not the guy that they're trying to get. You know what I mean? You're, you we already got you. The NBA yeah. already has you. The NBA already has Andy Lou. They don't yeah. need you know. They're not worried about like Andy not watching games. By the way, Urkel Nine, uh, a legend, kidney, blood, and urine. NBA dudes would have been out two years. <laughs> uh, I assume he's referring to Zach Ertz, by the way. Yeah, and and I mean it's like I, I just think the NBA is overcorrected. Like there's this certain thing in the NFL where you're like, okay, maybe you don't need to risk your long term health. But then the NBA goes in the other extreme where it's like, whoa, it's a hangnail. Do you not care about him? <laughs> wow, well, okay. wow, you're racist. You know, like it's like, come on, chill out. Um, there has uh, to be some level of investment on both sides. Um, do you want to talk about the Kevin Love thing now? Well, oh, let, let's talk about both because I got Kevin Love. Uh, that's one I do want to talk about. And I want to talk, want to get your thoughts on David Stern who passed away and how he would have ran the league um, as well. But we'll, we'll start with Kevin Love because uh, it, for those that he didn't – who didn't see, uh, he's essentially just walking around the court showing up his players and his coaches. And he said in a quote – I think it was in an article by Sham Sharania – uh, he was. Just, uh, they said, "Hey, we got to find you." Blah blah. He goes. He literally says, "Find me. I got enough money, or I got plenty of money." Um, essentially, he just wants out of Cleveland. Um, my initial thoughts are. <sighs> my initial thoughts are like, who cares? Because it's like it's Kevin well, Love. Yes, he's really it's, not it's that good on a because he's team. such an irrelevant player. Exactly. Exactly. But I think in terms of a player empowerment kind of issue, that's been going on through the NBA since LeBron made his, made his decision, I think, I think is a conversation worth having here uh, where you're going to say, does this actually help? Like, is this a bad look for not just Kevin Love, but also kind of the league? Because I think if you're a casual fan, you look at the NBA and you see something like this, you're like, yeah, that looks about right. Like that's the NBA. Like that's why I don't watch like this. Is why I don't and, care. Right? And the casual fan sees how much money they make. You and I were so like in the trenches, the numbers don't sound real. It's all like cat minutia. And, you know, we're like Nate and Danny here going like, can they make that trade? Is it legal? Like, <laughs> you know, like you and I, like, I don't care because I'm going to watch whether, you know, none of that matters. But to the average person, they see Kevin Love makes 30 million a year. He's not that good. And now he doesn't even want to try. Like, screw that. You know, it's like what you said. And that's where it comes down to. Both sides have to be invested in the product. It can't just be the teams who are trying to sell tickets. The players have to care too. And most of the NBA in the last decade because of player empowerment has been the media essentially kind of showing their ass to fans, being like, oh, you don't care about them as people? Well, no. You also don't care about me as a person when you go to my work and you're like, wow, you're not – doing a good job at selling whatever service you're selling to me, Sam, you know, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. do you, do you talk to your insurance broker and be like, Hey, he's more than an insurance broker. 
He's got other interests. He's got kids, you know? No, you're like, dude, why am I paying, you know, 5% more than other people are paying with this service because you can't do your job right? You know, that's what you care. People, people, whoa, Jesus, Wentz. Uh, people need to invest. People need to invest time to these things, right? It's like just outside of just people paying for tickets because the mass majority of people don't go to the games, but people that have to invest like two hours to watch a basketball game or two and a half hours. Why is that? You know, why do people want to do that uh, at this point, especially for if these- they don't feel that the players are invested as well? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, part of it too is like I get it. Like I get you want to understand these players as a person, but you say you say overcorrection, and that's kind of it is it is what it is. It's like the media has made it where it's there's no lack of accountability to when you feel like as a fan you should be entitled to to players trying to play basketball, right? We feel we should be entitled to watching them play basketball and try hard, and when we feel that way. You know, a lot of media and a lot of people that cover the NBA now are like, well, you know, they could do whatever they want. And it's just like, okay, like, yeah, but does that really help? Does that does that really help anybody want to watch the and game? And by the way, right? no, they're not. Like, they, they, I guess the salary is guaranteed so they can do whatever the hell they want. Right. But it's like, that's going to fall off a cliff. That's not going to last forever. You know, you got to kind of play it forward. And, and like you said, no one's guaranteed a win. No one's even guaranteed like good aggressive defense or good aggressive offense. You're just guaranteed that they try hard, you know? And like sometimes that's all you should be guaranteed. You should be guaranteed that when players are playing, they're actually playing. Um, Kevin Love, how, how do you feel if uh, if the Warriors go after him? And, and a side note. Um, <laughs> he would be at the bottom of – I mean there's just no point. Kevin Love's – if people think D'Lo is a defensive problem, D'Lo is a perimeter player, and you can hide him a little more. Plus, he's twenty-three. Um, trading for a thirty-year-old big who can't guard his own shadow, like no. <laughs> um, also, a question: He would uh, be on the bottom of like it's. I guess I'd have to see a list of like every max player, but like he would be like on the bottom of the list of guys I'd want. Like crazy how crazy things have turned clay thompson for kevin love i was all in on that oh, so we, we weren't podcasting together back then but i remember i was on twitter yeah just ranting ranting and raving just like pissed off that they didn't make the trade or that they weren't going to make the trade and well was, you know who, you know who changed our minds draymond green draymond literally changed my perception of what a power forward should do and i'm not saying the power forward should shoot like 28 percent but like, just the because in my mind they could have hid Love's defense with Bogut and Iguodala. You know, you have one of the best wing defenders and one of the best rim protectors. And yeah, he's not a great defender, but like, does it really matter, right? Yep. And then like Draymond going small and all that stuff made me reconsider. Like, oh no, no, like he can't be on the floor against elite teams in a meaningful way. Yeah, that that first Draymond series uh, when he guarded Blake Griffin changed my mind. Where it was like, oh, you know, everyone expected Blake Griffin just kind of run him over and take him, you know, take him to school every single play. And that that series went seven, and, and Draymond played great defense. That was when I was like, okay, well, I think they'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Dr- Draymond essentially killed the power forward position. If if you want to be real with it, he turned the power forward into a like just kind of a big wing. 
A power yeah. forward is essentially a big wing now. It's like Giannis is pretty much the, you know, the current standard, but it was like LeBron or KD forever too. Yeah, and and if you're if you're a back to basketball player that wants to be successful in the postseason, uh, you better be great. You know what I mean? Because Draymond's a great defender, but he's got limitations because he's small. So it's like he can't guard. Maybe like he always struggled against Con Anthony Towns. But if you're kind of just like a a mediocre post up guy, like Blake Griffin kind of was, or Enos uh, Cantor, or like there's, yeah. a, I mean, Enos Cantor, if he played thirty minutes a game, would average twenty five efficiently. But no, everyone knows they can't play him thirty minutes and expect to have a. A defense that can stop anyone. Enos Cantor, God. Um, yeah, you want to? Pr- those are like the type of players who kind of got you know killed, though. <laughs> yeah, that that is true. Although Enos Cantor's back, he's on the. Uh, I know, he but, on now? but he's like, but like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's on the Celtics. He's a 15 to 20 minute right, a right, game. Right. Like you could you can play that guy, but he's like a um, he's a bench piece because you know you can't play him in any critical minutes. Yeah. Um, dun, dun, dun. you want to go to David Stern? Talk about David Stern a little bit. Um, I, I think there, uh, he passed away this week, or I guess you could say he did. Early, yeah. early this week. Um, though I, I do want to, <laughs> there's been some conversation about a lot about how he ran the league and how he almost ran it a little bit like a dictatorship. Um, I'm curious your thoughts to see if that would have been a good thing for today's NBA because David Stern brought the league into a, a really, really great place. And I'm not going to say the NBA is kind of failing now. Um, you know, they were in a great place too a couple of years ago. I wonder your thoughts on what would have happened if David Stern had to deal with what's going on in the NBA today through this kind of player empowerment era. I mean, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know how much David Stern could have stopped it. I just know the negotiations when they do the next CBA would have been way more contentious. One thing David Stern was known for was basically always winning the CBA. Um, And they had how many lockouts? Like, they had three lockouts in the Mm -hmm. last 15 to 20 years. And, like, you know, they never lost a postseason to it. It was like you get the 66-game season and stuff like that. Um, But... I do think it's necessary because I think the power is way too much in the players' hands now. And my, my personal opinion is it's generally not good if power is too much in one party's hand. That goes for ownership too. Because when ownership can just have unilateral power, you end up with situations like the NFL where players right, right. Um, have nothing guaranteed. And it's like, oh, you tore your ACL cut. you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. And that's not good either. That's not ethically right either. So um, I don't know. I, I guess like with Adam Silver, I feel like he's too soft. But, you know, I kind of need to see what happens in the next CBA. Um, I think one thing that's interesting with the owners is I was expecting the owners to be more anti this. But because so many owners are like new money tech guys, that's like half of the owners in the NBA. They're all looking at it like, oh, I can use this to my advantage. You know, instead of like wanting to rock the boat, they're like, oh, no, this is good because I'll make my team attractive and those guys will get screwed. Like Joe Lacob for sure doesn't look at it as a bad thing. He looks at how he can use it to his advantage. Well, I mean, yeah. And and I think for him, too, it's like um, 
And, and you make a great point because the NFL, you look at the NFL ownership, it's like all kind of the same dude, right? I think like it's all like not, old money. Like we yeah. made our money making railroads in the 1900s. Right? Hey, Jed York is different, but I mean, Jed York came from a rich family, right? He's just young. But, um, and, and though I think he's probably one of the few progressive, I think, owners in the league. Uh, so there you go. Phil, Philly's uh, got the most outspoken um, Democratic donor owner, just FYI. But yeah. yeah. Um, in general, they operate as very old money, like from the 1800s. Yep. yep. So, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see it's interesting. I think the thing with, uh, Adam Silver is that he's so, um, he's so open to like, it, it's a very 20, it's a very like, I don't the know. Cool, the cool stepdad. He's, he's your, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's your boss at a tech company. Who's like. Oh, if you need to take a personal day, take exactly. No, <laughs> no, no. That is exactly it. He's like, oh, like he's kind of let you know, do whatever you want. Let's have a conversation instead of like, let's not argue. You know, no violence stuff. Like all of that is great, but then there also are going to be moments. I think here in the next few years where he's going to have to step on. He's going to have to step like be very forceful and just be like, hey, this is what's going on. Like, right? There has to be a point, or he's just going to get run over. Um, and I don't know what that point is. I don't know what that specific example is going to be. Maybe it is kind of player empowerment stuff. Maybe it's something else. But I think at some point, Adam Silver is going to have to be like that. And I think he kind of was like with Donald Sterling. right? He, he kind of was. Um, but we'll, we'll see with those situations. Yeah, you know I, think, that, I think yeah. the thing you always hear about Stern is like he you, – you haven't watched Succession. But I'm, I'm assuming some of our listeners have. He has that Logan Roy um, old school boss meant like presence – where it's it, it's the immigrant dad thing where it's like oh oh you don't feel good like I don't give a f go do your, do do your homework you know yeah. that sort of thing so uh, it'll be interesting um, you know rest in peace and um, you know thoughts to his uh, family uh, but I do think most of us would not be NBA fans if not for David Stern it, it yep. is worth mentioning. In 84, when he took over, everything was on tape delay, which is just mind-boggling, right? And, um, you know, now NBA players, probably the highest paid uh, – well, they are the highest paid of any pro sport and probably the biggest names. I mean, LeBron doesn't exist without Jordan. Jordan doesn't exist without Magic and Bird. Magic and Bird don't exist without David Stern figuring out how to market them in a way that takes the sport from being a niche sport like the NHL to being a global superpower. Ooh. David Stern figured out how to market someone. Let's see if the uh, see if the NBA can figure that out into the 2020s because uh, I don't think LeBron's going to be – you know, he can't be the face of the league forever. Same with Steph Curry. So it'll be interesting how they do, you know, kind of Luka Doncic or, or Giannis. Um, but but we should probably talk Warriors. Yeah. You know, what's funny. Um, we So we put together a rundown every week. Um, we're not going off top of the head. Uh, well, no, we kind of are. But <laughs> um, but the rundown was starting with this segment. We just completely reversed it. <laughs> um, so Joe Lacob had some quotes about they're not looking to be sellers. We're in discussions. Uh, even today, Bob Myers and I sat down for an hour uh, earlier this afternoon, and we're going to look at all the different options. What can make us the best team for next year? That may mean, if something came along, making a trade. But it may mean not making a trade. Uh, it, it just depends. We're not in the business of giving away talent. And if we've got some talent that we think can help us for next year, we're gonna. We're not sellers, as like people like to put it. Whether you're buyers or sellers, we are. We are a different team than most teams that are have a record, maybe that we do this year. We are looking forward to next year and building a great team. And. That means being a, cha a championship level. 
So a trade, maybe, trade, maybe not. I can't tell you. My question is, what would you take from what Joe Lacob said? Classic. Classic Joe. Um, he doesn't want, by the way, if, if you're, if you're a GM, if you're an ownership, of course, you're going to say you don't want to be, um, just cause leverage and all of that. But I think people know that in terms of sellers, I think essentially he means one person, right? Cause we know that they're trying to trade Burks, that they're trying to trade GR three and whomever else. But I think when he means sellers is, are they going to trade D'Angelo Russell? Um, and maybe that's not this trade deadline. Maybe it's in the off season. Um, and I think that's his point. I, I do agree with him and i agree with i'm sure is the warrior stance front office stance is that i don't think that they're gonna move him i I just don't i don't think so like all this like i mean if bill ben simmons bill simmons ben simmons comes around sure but like all this stuff like a kogi covington like kind of fringe uh depth trade pieces perfectly nice role players yeah i think wait why can't you do that next trade deadline i think that's what they're essentially saying and i think that's the right move right like i I know a lot of people don't think delo is gonna work i don't think so but why not try it? Why not yeah, see it's, how it's, it looks next season? I think it's hard to envision Steph, D'Lo, Clay, Draymond, and whoever they can get at center being a good enough closing lineup to win a finals. Um, defensively, right? Like you and I both agree. I just don't see how that defensively holds up against like the Clippers or like you know just insert a team with a bunch of bigger players. Um, but I, the, the big thing I took from Lacob's quote was, um, I think they are, they would rather hold on to D'Lo and keep the big fish options. Like they would rather roll D'Lo into next season than dump him for the sake of dumping him. And dumping him meaning like getting some decent like wing pieces back, but with like no real upside, like they're not going to do that. I think I they, yeah, I think they believe, um, He's not going to lose value next. You know, he they think when Steph and Clay come back, his value will only increase because he'll look better. That's 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 the question, though. It's like, will that actually happen? Because people like 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 our friend uh, Ethan Strauss, who's in favor of Covington plus picks. So Nerd. like Covington, Covington helps you now just because he's one of the best wing defenders, and you know you you know exactly what he's going to do, right? Yeah. And the picks would be future assets to stock. Um, his thought is like, if you can get two firsts and Covington for D'Lo, take it because D'Lo could depreciate in value, but those picks will always be valuable and you know, Covington can help you. Um, which is an interest, which it's not an irrational thought. It's, it's a low ceiling, low upside, safe. Well, you you know, my opinion, you, you could point to this. What did the Clippers give up to get Paul George? A bunch of picks they acquired in other trades. They traded Tobias for picks. They traded Blake for picks. And they had all this arsenal of picks, which is ultimately what, you know, let's just say Milwaukee knows they're going to use Giannis and they want to just get, you know, restart the process. Would they rather have D'Lo or would they rather have a bunch of picks? But I think they would want both at the very least because that's what SGA is, right? Um, Shea Gilgis has been essentially, essentially D'Lo. Uh, like that type of player where it's like, okay, that's a young guy that has a lot of upside, maybe not a superstar, but he's good. We can kind of have him to build around. So I, I, that that's tough. So that that's tough. I, I think. I, yeah. So um, I see both sides to it, but what I'm gathering, uh, and maybe, maybe this is just show, I just don't think they have any interest in selling D'Lo low. I think they'd rather hold on to him. Um, 
for when that big trade comes. And if the team that they're doing a big trade doesn't want D'Lo, they'll find a third party to give them more picks. They're, they're like, you know, it's it's Lacob, it's it's that it's that tech uh, it's that tech mindset. It's like, why would they try to get a company acquired, you know, for two cents on the dollar right now? If they think they can wait a little while and then get a lot more money when they think it's going to go a lot better a couple of years from now, right? Like, what what's the point of trading D'Lo for a couple of guys like a Kogi and Covington when they think that he's only going to get better um, later on or the value is going to stay the same? Like, Minnesota, you think a year from now Minnesota is going to view D'Lo the exact same way because they have to keep Carl Anthony Towns, right? Like, what's to gain uh, from giving it from getting that trade done now? Um, and same for other teams as well. Um, like I, mean, I know why Minnesota wants to get it done right now. But no, yes. no, what's the, what's the game for, for, the, for the Warriors, Warriors. right? Yeah. Um, like, it's interesting. You look at Philadelphia where the report came out from one of their writers um, where it was like uh, they're looking for a perimeter player. Um, and they look like they're in shambles. So um, they're probably not looking to trade. They're probably more looking to trade Horford. But, uh, you know, that, that those are those are things that pop up. Like Clippers look like a mess now. We have that on the rundown with the Clippers. They're getting smacked right now by the Knicks. Right, so like you just never know. After getting smacked by the Grizzlies, they're Oof. a mess. Um, but let, let's do this thought exercise. So I kind of wanted to play this game with you, where we're like, let's assume they bring D'Lo back next year. What's the roster look like, and what kind of team is that? So let me start this, okay? So yep. next year they come back with Steph, D'Lo, Clay, Draymond, Looney. They still got Pascal and Poole. And uh, Smiley Geach, our guy. Um, You put Jacob Evans in there too, you sicko. I mean, he's on the roster. Anyway, (laughs) but my my point is they've they've got this little, you know, so the first five guys I named are unquestionably heavy rotation players. And then Pascal probably too. Maybe Poole's ready next year. Maybe he's not. Um, I think if if they bring D'Lo back next year, I don't know uh, if he's, you know, they're going to do the – the Harden-Westbrook thing where those guys open and close games, but like literally the rest of the game, they're not on the court together. So like if Steph and D'Lo play 32 minutes a game, what you're really saying is they play 16 minutes together. There's 16 minutes where it's just Steph and there's 16 minutes where it's just D'Lo. And that's really effective because usually backups don't have all-star caliber players to run their units. Um, so my question is going, f- what, what do you, what would you want to put around that team? Well, I think you wrote it here, but Andre Godal is probably going to be on the team. Um, he's probably not going to have a huge impact or play 30 minutes a game. Um, uh, but he's going to be on the team. Um, I think part of, so that's issue- one, that's one wing, but you're not answering mm-hmm. my question. What would you like? Um, I, cause I, I think they need to add wings like Clay's one wing. Well, Iguodala- part of that. Yeah, but part of that is they have to develop these wings, and they just haven't done that. Like, you can't just pick up wings, right? So part of it's like you got to develop guys. You got to develop maybe Jacob Evans, who's not really a wing, but you got to develop him to be a player. Or Glenn Robinson, maybe they can keep him. And I I just don't see them having done that so far. Even Marcus Chris, who's not obviously not a wing, but or Omari Spellman, kind of these guys, like, have they really developed any of these guys to become rotation players next year? I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. So they're going to have to go bargain been hunting again uh, and, and see what they can get. I so, just, t- so tools they have, they do have the Iguodala trade, uh, trade player exception, mm-hmm. which is worth 17 million. Now they got to find someone who's looking to dump a player for 
17.2 million or less. And maybe you give him a second round pick or something for it. But it's essentially it's one of those things where a team wants to just get off money and the Warriors are like, we'll take him. Um, Slater actually wrote a great piece that went ran like New Year's Day or the day after New Year's, where it's like important Warriors storylines. I think Slater's so good at just kind of compiling the info in a way that like lets fans or readers who may not know every detail just catch themselves up. Mm -hmm. So here's some names he mentions. Thaddeus Young. Chicago hasn't been great. Maybe they want to get rid of him. Jeremy Lamb. Been okay in Indiana. They're not like married to him. Lonzo Ball. Unlikely they can get Lonzo after his... uh, He's, I just don't think they're going to give up Lonzo. Covington, as perhaps as part of a larger deal, I don't think that's happening. Um, Kelly Olenek, I mean, he could really shoot the ball. That, just, that's that's the one. That's the one that Steve Kerr will probably love. That's Kelly the one Olenek. I would like. He's not. He didn't close games, but like, how nice it would be to have a reliable stretch five with Draymond. Just be like, you know, stand on the three point line and open the key up and just let them, you know, do what they want to do. Yeah, that's what they're hoping a Spellman can do. He did go like what did he, what was he twenty points last night? Six for six from three. I mean, yeah. you can shoot them. Spellman's intriguing, but yeah, um, James Johnson, he's been kind of a mess. The Heat are desperate to get out of him. He didn't mention Dion Waiters, but they would do that too. I don't know why the Warriors would do that. Um, Jeremy Grant, always the, been a fan of Jeremy Grant. The Nuggets might want to clear that money because, especially with Michael Porter Jr. looking really good. And then J.J. Redick, who he said is a maybe. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, every team could use a Redick. Even at, even at like 35, 36, Redick can give you 15, 20 good minutes. Yeah, so these options are you know not great, but you're saying that they have the ability to absorb any of these. I mean, Jeremy Lamb is fine. Like, I think he's he's a solid player. He's probably he can he's kind probably of better than Glenn Robinson the <laughs> third. He's 20 times better. Um, he's a creator. He can shoot a little bit. Um, he's got talent. I think Glenn Robinson with him, it's like you can see he doesn't have enough talent, just straight talent. He doesn't have enough. Glenn, to be, yeah, I'm, you know? I'm okay with Glenn Robinson coming back next year though to be a um, be your ninth man or eighth man. Yeah. Um, because he's like a poor man's version of Robert Covington. You watch Covington, it's like, well, okay, he doesn't have enough talent to be better than who he is uh today. Um, I, I like Lamb. Um, James Johnson. That's funny that he's on there. 16 million. The Heat really, man. Um, they, they, although they're good, like they just keep finding ways to to kind of sustain. Yeah, I don't, I don't see the James Johnson fit just because he's a significantly worse version of Draymond. So bad. Uh, Jeremy Grant, I like though. Olenek, Jeremy Grant and Lamb. Olnick doesn't solve the wing issue, but he solves the secondary issue. Um, I don't think Looney can ever start. This well, year's, I think this year's kind of. I just think his health issues are like Looney's going to be like a Livingston type, where you play him fifteen to twenty minutes. I don't think his body's got more than that in it. He's like twenty-two, man. That's the thing. That's the sucky part too. But yeah, but I mean. In lieu of that, they need a couple. I mean, we know Kerr loves to play three to four centers, but uh, they need someone. They need to, you know, maybe maybe Looney's still the guy who closes. I still don't see a scenario where Looney's giving you thirty five minutes a game. Yeah, there's there's no way. Um, I, I think so. Out of these guys, I think I mean I, I'm probably like begrudgingly like a like Jeremy Grant. Like he's athletic. He's long. Um, it's a plus defender. Yeah, he's he's good. Like I would go with him. Shooter. Oh God, Warriors. 
I mean, that, that that's a that's the Warriors' sweet spot plus plus defender and consistent shooter. <laughs> well, he was on the uh, was the he on thunder. the Thunder? Am I thinking? Of, yeah, that's a Thunder special right there. Um, uh, but the the Warriors don't have enough athletic wings. So really, just give me anybody athletic um, that has some type of talent. He has more than Cled Robinson, I think. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, I think any of that is fine. Um, it, it is funny though. You look at kind of the young players that the Warriors are trying to develop, and it's like, okay, Marcus Chris, Mari Spellman, Alan Smiley, Geech, uh, you know, they got Willie Colley Stein. And you look at all these guys, Sam, and you're like, well, what are these guys? They're all bigs, right? It's like, what are they doing with Jacob Evans? What are they doing with, you know, really anybody that they and can do? And by the way, Evans and Poole are guards, they're not wings. Exactly. Yeah. Like, those guys are guards. Like, I forgot about Jordan Poole, but like, he's not, you know, I mean, even he's dominating he the G play. League right now. I mean, he could. I wouldn't be surprised if he turned into a little bench piece. By, by the way, the upside's it, limited. Damian Lee's on the roster next season. I, I want you to put that in there. When I yes. want that. I think he's on the roster next season. He's been fantastic. Um, I know I was whining about him in the in the beginning of the season, but he he's on the roster. Like yeah. he's going to be a player, um, but he's not a wing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's another thing. These are all guys who can spell two to three minutes as an undersized small forward, but like you don't want them. Like when when you get against the the, the great teams, the Clippers, the Lakers, you're like none of these guys are going to guard LeBron. No, you know <laughs> none of these guys are guarding Kawhi. Uh, so they're going to require. So that's going to be tough. They're going to require Clay Thompson coming off an ACL to really play defense and and also offense and be tough on both sides of the ball. And it's just like that's a lot. And that's At another least, reason why D'Lo would be nice. Be nice yeah, yeah, because you can you can lighten the load on Clay. He doesn't yeah. need to be giving you twenty five a game, which is probably what he would have needed to give you if it was just Steph and Clay. Yeah. Um. So, so let's just say they let, let's say they get someone. Let, let's say they get Jeremy Lamb. Okay. And let's say they bring back Glenn Robinson the third, and they get a Godala. So. Oh, hey, don't forget about Anthony Edwards. That's a wing, too, actually. So there's Well, four. this is the next thing. So they're going to have their <laughs> top pick. Uh, Edwards isn't a wing. He's a guard. Um, he's like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. He's, he's got Wade, all the depot measurements. So um, where, where he's a he's bigger than 6'4", but he's not 6'9", he's not you know? So um, they have their pick. Unless it's Wiseman. This pick is almost for sure going to be a backcourt player. And there's some good ones. I'm really big on uh, Tyrese Halliburton. You'll like this guy. You're just making up names, but okay. I'm serious. He's good, dude. He's. I think he's going to end up being the worst pick. Um, high IQ player, two years of college, just shoots 65%. Oh, no wonder you think I like him. High IQ player, and he's been in college for a few years. Yeah, that, that's fair. That is right. That Those are the players I do like. One of those guys, everyone's like, dude, he's not that athletic, but no one can stop him from getting to his spots. Six five. He's he's kind of Livingston esque. Only he can shoot the three. Where you're like, that's just the best way to put it. Because he's like string bean skinny, but he's like six six. Uh, but he's a point guard, and um, he just puts the ball in the hoop at a really efficient rate. God, there are no wings in the draft that are that are top ten. No, the only the only wing who's going in the first round is Jaden McDaniels, and from everything I've seen, he looks like a in three to four years he might be a player. But you know, if you think he's playing your rotation year one, you're winning fifteen games. You know know the type. Like, I mean, honestly, Jonathan Isaac or Ingram or any of these guys are all the same way. 
Yeah. I mean, that that's fair, too. I mean, that that's a standard trajectory. Um, but your question is, you think... You think does this team have enough to, to win a championship? So 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 then then we got one other thing. So then you got the taxpayer mid level, which is five to six million. Um, I don't really know who they can get for that off the top of my head, but let's just say they can get a decent big man. Two thousand twenty free agents. <laughs> yeah, about to do a little Google, my man. Um, let's 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 scroll down this list. You know you know Steve Kerr has looked at that list many times. It's his favorite list. <laughs> Free agent big men. I want Robin Lopez again. Oh, God. Uh, I mean, you might uh, be able to get Robin Lopez. Let's just say <laughs> they get a big who's of Robin Lopez's caliber, right? A little better than a Zaza, but not a, uh, you know, not moving yeah. the needle in, yeah. a, uh, in a major way. So let's just say they come back next year. They have Steph. They have D'Lo. They have Clay Thompson. They have Draymond Green. They... Got Iguodala back. They kept Glenn Robinson or Burks, one or the other. Okay. They got someone like Jeremy Lamb. So now we're taught. Now they have a few wings. Maybe not as good as in the past, but they're wing players. And they use their mid level on someone along the lines of Robin Lopez. We're putting together a dream team here. So strength in numbers. I don't know if I like the numbers. <laughs> oh, and then we got Looney behind him. They'll probably keep Marquise Chris because they really like Marquise Chris. <laughs> Obviously, they still have Pascal, who will be a year better, and Poole, maybe Poole and Lee. Where? What? What is this team? Give me, give me a ballpark. Is this a? How many wins? Is this a top four team in the West? This is a top four seed team, correct? Yes. Do they? Can they beat the Clippers? Can they beat the Lakers? Well. Yeah, that that's the thing. Uh, the Clippers and Lakers of today. Um, the Clippers and Lakers of next year. One more well, year. Well, we don't. Well, we we just don't know. I mean, fuck. Maybe the Clippers are going to implode here, right? And who knows with, um, with the Lakers. I. Uh, but um, can they? Yes. Will they? No. I don't. Th- I don't. I don't know. I think it's a second tier West team. I think it's a second round team who can get to the third round. I think it's a. L- its best case is better than what Denver is now, but the upside isn't necessarily as good as the Clippers. Um, I think it's I, a, I, I think it's a low fit. I think it's a fifty-ish win. Like, could they win fifty-five? Could they win fifty-eight games? No, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Uh, but if they won only forty-eight to fifty, I wouldn't be surprised either. Yeah, I think I think they can beat the Lakers. Um, although it feels like a bad, I think they can beat the Lakers. I don't know if they could beat the Clippers. Um, I think is what I'd go with just cause, uh, the Lakers wouldn't be able to guard Stephen clay at all. Um, and maybe even D'Lo. but then like, who's really kind of guarding Anthony Davis, I guess you still have Draymond, and hopefully he's not falling off a cliff. But, um, so I think that'd be like a decent matchup. I think the Clippers would be a little tougher with Pat Bev and, and the wings that they've got. The wings is a real issue. Yeah. Um, that's the big thing. Clay can guard one of them. Uh, but I don't know who's, you know, if Iguodala is guarding the other one at age 36, 37, Whew. and um, then, then D'Lo's not on the court. Like, that's the thing. Iguodala is turning 36 at the end of this month. He'll be 37 next playoffs if he returns to the Warriors. It might be more realistic for him to take the Sean Livingston 15-minute-a-game role than the old Iguodala play 30 minutes and, like, when it matters, you know he's playing all the minutes. 
Yeah, I mean, he he's going to be Sean Livingston. Like, that's what he's going to do, right? Like, if you can ice Andre Godala until Christmas and then put him in a 20-minute-per-game role and then the playoffs, like, all right, maybe Andre Godala will be able to go 38 come, you know, the, the Western Conference final second round. But uh, but that's a lot to rely on, right? Um, and so I think that's that's the issue. And it's like, by that point, you look at that roster and you say to yourself, you're Bob Myers, what can you do? And really, that's why they're keeping D'Lo. That's really the only reason why, because it's like, what can you do to get a wing? There's no development. There's no draft pick that's going to. There's no cap pick. space because you're yeah. paying Steph and Clay and Draymond 100 million plus. That's the thing. They need to keep the D'Lo spot because um, Steph costs over 40 million a year. Clay costs over 35 and Draymond's going to cost another 25. I mean, there's just there's they can't get under the cap. Which is fine if you have players to trade, but then you have to be patient and wait for the trade. Um, yeah, I think. By the way, uh, guess who's in the game right now for the Eagles and the uh, the Seahawks? You will never guess it. Josh McCown. Oh God. <laughs> uh, it's uh, good stuff right now. Carson um, but- Wentz also had like the greatest month last month, and it's like ugh, he's still they still miss Nick Foles. They still miss big, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's let's uh let's get out of here. Um, yeah, so you guys can um you know so keep subscribing to the Blue Wire podcast. Our guys over at the Candlestick Chronicles are going to start doing premium content. You might want that for the playoffs, although you want the light years one more. Um, we uh we do need to come out, and we will be coming out with new uh new uh light years merch. I know we're, we're lacking on those, but uh, I've got some good ideas that I'm sure Sam will shoot down. That's good enough. <laughs> um, no, they'll be good. We'll, we'll have more stuff next week. We'll discuss how the Warriors roster could look with um, some of these big names. We don't know if they'll be available, but we're going to definitely make people upset by just pretending Photoshopping them in the Warriors. So we do. All right, man. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.